Welcome, NAPU community, to today's podcast, Considerations for Pregnancy in Autosomal Dominant Polycystic Kidney Disease, or ADPKD. My name is Kelly Reed, and I'm a Senior Medical Science Liaison with OTSICA, and I will be serving as your host for today's podcast. And I am very fortunate uh, to have two ADPKD experts joining me today for our topic. We have Dr. Renin Gamrawi, who is the Director of the PKD Clinic at Nephrology Associates, a partnering clinic of the PKD Foundation Center of Excellence. And she completed her nephrology fellowship as well as a certificate of clinical and translational science at Mayo Clinic, Rochester, Minnesota. Prior to that, she completed her internal medicine residency at Michigan State University, the Hurley Medical Center. And she has numerous publications, particularly centered around preeclampsia, hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, and PKD. She's also an ad hoc reviewer for, the, for hypertension in pregnancy, and her areas of interest include hypertensive disorders of pregnancy and polycystic kidney disease and onconephrology. Welcome, Dr. Gimrawi. Thank you. I also have Dr. Pranav Garamella joining us today. Dr. Garamella is a board-certified nephrologist and a director of the PKD Center of Excellence at UC San Diego. He received his training in India, Chicago, and completed his nephrology fellowship at Tufts University. Training in clinical nephrology with a focus on polycystic kidney disease with Dr. Ron Perone. His research endeavors have led to multiple NIH-funded studies and numerous peer-reviewed publications centered on kidney diseases. He has an ongoing NIH grant for research elucidating aspects of kidney disease and has been the recipient of multiple teaching and clinical excellence awards. Welcome, Dr. Garamella. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, well, thank you both for joining me today. Um, and we're gonna jump right in and talk about pregnancy and ADPKD. So when caring for women of childbearing age diagnosed with ADPKD, there are a few issues that need to be considered from a healthcare perspective. So Dr. Garamella, when one of your ADPKD patients comes to you and states that she would like to start a family, what does that initial conversation look like? That's a great question. And I think uh, one that not everyone is necessarily comfortable asking, given the uh, multitude of implications that are. Uh, but off the bat, I think one of the most important things that we should keep in mind is that when it comes to pregnancy, whether it's in patients with PKD or without, there is a lot of shared decision-making in pregnancy counseling that has to happen. And, uh, Discussions regarding pregnancy should really be part of routine clinical care for all women with CKD. And with PKD come some unique challenges. And the challenge on the front of the medical professional is to balance the discussion of medical risks and sensitivities with patient values uh, and what they expect the outcome to be. So the first thing to consider is who is the affected parent? Is uh, the affected parent the father of the couple who are looking to conceive versus is it the mother? Because uh, if, a, if the patient is the father, then the risks are primarily related to the children inheriting the disease and uh, the complications thereafter. However, if uh, the patient is the mother, there are risks both related to the course of pregnancy, the outcomes of pregnancy, um, both maternal 
and fetal in addition to the long-term complications uh, that uh, people with PKD may have. One of the first things that uh, is often asked is whether people with PKD can have uh, you know, normal pregnancies and uh, is fertility affected. And, uh, and, and long story short is that most people, as long as their kidney function is relatively normal, do not have a decreased risk of uh, having children. There is some literature suggesting that men may have uh, slightly lower fertility rates because of uh, abnormalities in the seminal vesicles um, and some uh, ejaculatory duct cysts. But however, there is no evidence to show that women, especially women who have normal kidney function, have any decrease in fertility compared to women who do not have PKD. In people who have PKD and significant kidney disease, um, there may be some decrease in fertility, and usually transplantation actually results in improved fertility in these situations. So again, um, understanding where the patient is on the spectrum of kidney disease, I think, is an important uh, first consideration. The, the other uh, discussions usually revolve around the risk of kidney disease progression during um, during a pregnancy and also whether there are other complications that can occur as a result of PKD. And, you know, I think uh, in the course of this podcast, uh, Dr. Kamravi and I will talk a little bit about those uh, complications and how to manage them. With regard to m monitoring a uh, you know, high-risk pregnancy uh, specialists are usually recommended, especially if women have underlying advanced kidney disease, and monitoring for routine uh, pregnancy complications such as hypertension, preeclampsia, and urine protein uh, are, are, are what I would discuss during one of these visits. Right. So it sounds like understanding where they are in their kidney disease progression and journey and then also involving a multidisciplinary team to care for that high-risk pregnancy patient, if that patient is, um, if your patient is a woman and looking to get pregnant. Absolutely. And having that multidisciplinary team is really critical because, um, you know, in addition to the high-risk obstetricians, there could be the need for genetic counselors, there could be the need for psychologists, uh, depending on uh, other comorbidities and decision-making that uh, go into the course of the pregnancy. So uh, I, I can't stress the importance of having that uh, uh, multidisciplinary team with the necessary expertise, especially in people with advanced kidney disease when it comes to um, conception pre or preconceptional counseling that you know then of course is the issue of making changes to their current management and this could include some medication changes uh, disease modifying treatment changes and and we can talk a little bit about that uh, later on sounds good so in, in um sort of thinking about that and you mentioned you know genetic counseling and such you know what are some of the reproductive options available uh, you know to patients with adpkd well, like we know, uh, ADPKD is autosomally dominant uh, inheritance, which means that every child has about a 50% risk of uh, inheriting the disease. And while some people are uh, willing to take this risk, there are families that do not want the disease to be passed down to future generations, especially if there is a strong history of uh, kidney failure or death due to kidney disease. That's quite understandable. 
And this is where having the expertise of the genetic counselors to discuss options becomes critical. One option is uh, involving genetic counselors to uh, help them through the process of pre-implantation genetic diagnosis or uh, PGD. And what PGD is that it uh, is the process of uh, uh, picking embryos without ADPKD mutations. So we identify embryos that don't have the mutations and then implant these using IVF technology. However, one of the caveats is that in order to do this, you actually need identification of the genetic mutation in the parent. And this might require extensive testing of family members, uh, especially if the uh, family history is unknown or no testing. And keep in mind that up to 10 to 15% of patients with polycystic kidney disease may not have an identifiable mutation using current technologies. So even if one were to try and go down the route of uh, pre-implantation genetics until we identify the mutation, this uh, may not be successful. Uh, of course, that comes with the added uh, stress of cost um, and uh, time, and uh, insurance coverage could vary from this. Uh, so, you know, the, the, there's there are those factors to be considered even if one wants to perform pre-implantation genetics. The uh, other options that we could have are using a donor egg or a donor sperm from someone else that could be uh, uh, used to generate the um, embryo and implant that again using IVF techniques. And in that case, you know, you completely circumvent the risk of uh, developing a PKD, even that 50% chance. And, um, you know, of course, there are also uh, uh, options of uh, surrogacy and adoption but uh, if patients want to conceive uh, and, and have uh, a natural birth, th th these are probably the most common routes that we, we discuss. Uh, and this is where we would refer to uh, high-risk obstetrics and uh, IVF experts and genetic counselors. So it sounds like there's a few different options and then kind of really having that conversation and understand, you know, where your patient is at and what, they're, um, what option they're looking for. Um, Absolutely. And, and and that's why that's why the shared decision making is very important. It's it's important to have an objective understanding of what they wish, what they would like, what is feasible. And this could vary from country to country based on insurance coverages, uh, based on the ability of the patients to pay for it out of pocket, etc. Absolutely. That's a good point. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, let's say that, that the patient does decide to move forward with becoming pregnant. Um, Dr. Gamrawi, how does uh, the management of ADPKD change during pregnancy? And I'm sure this is, um, you know, a, a lot to tackle in one question. But um, you know, I know that initial conversation we kind of talked a little bit about what the options are, what the considerations might be. So, you know, let's say your your patient does get pregnant, and um, you know, what are some of the changes that may occur in her management? So this is a great question, and before we dig in just in the ADPKD specifics, it's hard to talk about uh, ADPKD and pregnancy without talking about chronic kidney disease in pregnancy, because a lot of our uh, patients who are going to get pregnant, it's directly related to chronic kidney disease. And those guidelines that applies to CKD also apply to ADPKD. So to start for a few very important points to consider, first of all, women with chronic kidney disease are 10 times more likely to develop preeclampsia during pregnancy 
than women without chronic kidney disease. And preeclampsia affects about 40% of women with chronic kidney disease. Obviously, our patients with ADPKD many times can have chronic kidney disease, and that will be a high risk for developing preeclampsia during pregnancy. So overall, these are high risks pregnancies. Now, let's just probably for nephrologists and our uh, you know, uh, listeners here know exactly what preeclampsia, but just as a brief um, explanation, it's usually a generalized endothelial dysfunction that occurs after 20 weeks of gestation. And there's different stages of preeclampsia that we're not gonna dig in uh, because that's not the scope of our talk right now. However, um, worth noting that patients with chronic kidney disease and of course with ADPKD already have an underlying endothelial dysfunction, which would predispose them already at a higher risk of preeclampsia. And the markers that we see, some of the uh, inflammatory markers that we see in preeclampsia are already at baseline elevated in patients with chronic kidney disease. Now, to take a look at a normal pregnancy, generally the physiological adaptations of pregnancy occur such as the blood pressure actually starts falling during pregnancy, hitting a nadir in the second trimester and then starts rising again towards term. So patients with chronic kidney disease sometimes will have higher blood pressure contrary to what we will see in a normal pregnancy. And besides that, there is also an increased risk of uh, gestational proteinuria that occurs with our patients with ADPKD or chronic kidney disease during their pregnancy higher than the general population. So these are the main things to look for and which will lead to what we're gonna be looking into, into a uh, in a pregnancy uh, in the setting of ADPKD. Um, there's a few points that we always have to um, tackle, which is in terms of monitoring, management, and screening during the pregnancy, if we wanna kind of think about them this way. So first of all, you know, pre-pregnancy, women with ADPKD oftentimes have chronic hypertension, sometimes can have proteinuria, again, putting them at higher risk during pregnancy. During pregnancy, there is a risk that Dr. Garimala mentioned of loss of maternal kidney function. Um, so decrease in the EGFR, that's one besides the preeclampsia increasing proteinuria, and then development of the preeclampsia, okay? There's also an increased risk of fetal growth restriction. There's increased risk of preterm delivery. There's an increased risk of having birth weight less than 10th, 10th percentile and neonatal unit admission. So it's an overall complicated pregnancy that needs to be followed by nephrologists, um, OB-GYN and whatnot. So the physiological process that's occurring in pregnancy is altered angiogenesis, complement activation, and photocyte loss. So let's, let's talk about the management during pregnancy for our ladies with ADPKD and um, in pregnancy. Number one, we recommend regular monthly checkups of blood pressure um, at the office, but also we recommend doing a weekly home blood pressure monitoring for those ladies. And if their blood pressure is elevated, treating it accordingly. We also recommend um, looking at proteinuria on a monthly visit as well, and evaluation by a healthcare provider, as well as renal function panel every month to take a look if there are ongoing AKI or worsening kidney function. So we also recommend monthly urinary tract infection screening and treating positive urine cultures accordingly. We also recommend encouraging increasing fluid intake during pregnancy for our women with ADPKD. So next, we're going to talk about the peripartum management of patients with ADPKD, chronic kidney disease, and preeclampsia. Now, 
we all know that management of the preeclampsia goes with the administration of, of treatment of eclampsia, goes with administration of some medications that can be used for treatment of eclampsia. These are the same that can be used for our patients with ADPKD, just the same as general pregnancy and management of preeclampsia. And the next question remains the timing of delivery. Usually for the timing of the delivery, we need to balance the risk between both maternal and fetal morbidity against the, against the risk of prematurity. Any preeclampsia coming after 37 weeks of gestation, the delivery is indicated. However, when uh, preeclampsia is occurring before 34 weeks of gestation, we try to manage expectant management to reduce neonatal morbidity associated with preterm delivery. Now, number uh, four question is the mode of delivery. There is no specific recommendations in regards to the mode of delivery in our patients with ATPKD and chronic kidney disease who are pregnant. And generally, even a vaginal delivery can be attempted for those women. Number four, let's talk about the postpartum care for our women with ATPKD, preeclampsia, and chronic kidney disease. Now, those women are at higher risk for adverse outcomes on a long-term basis for the development of chronic kidney disease and cardiovascular events on a long-term basis. Furthermore, once those women have delivered, we need to reintroduce the medications that can be uh, used as disease-modifying for the decrease in progression of chronic kidney disease. In this case, we need to consider which are the medications that are safe to be reintroduced when breastfeeding because a lot of those medications can also um, go through breast milk and this needs to be addressed. So overall, the management of ATPKD and pregnancy is really um, the same as the management of a risk of a woman with a chronic kidney disease in pregnancy. It's a higher risk pregnancy overall, but with close monitoring and a multidisciplinary team, uh, we are able to achieve successful outcomes and preventing um, both maternal and fetal morbidity during pregnancy. Thank you, Dr. Gamrawi. So it sounds like, you know, monitoring more closely and making some changes to the um, medication regimen for these patients that are pregnant uh, with chronic kidney disease, as well as ADPKD um, specifically. Now, talking a lot about some of those potential maternal complications, um, what are some of the complications that may arise for the fetus uh, of a pregnant woman with ADPKD? Um, yeah, Kelly, that's a very good question. So for fetal outcomes, usually we're going to have an increased risk of fetal growth restriction in those, in those fetuses, uh, an increased risk of preterm delivery, birth weight that's less than 10th uh, centile, and a higher risk of neonatal um, unit uh, uh, ICU admissions. Okay, so some risks for the mom, some risks for the baby, but with increased monitoring, you know, uh, we could kind of hopefully decrease some of those uh, potential complications for the patient and hopefully baby. we can achieve a safe pregnancy and safe outcomes for both mother and baby if possible. Yes, absolutely. And that, you know, kind of speaks to that multidisciplinary team. We're getting all the experts involved in um, the care for the patient and the baby. Absolutely. Excellent. So kind of circling back into the ADPKD part of it, um, uh, Dr. Garamella, are you aware of any um, impact of the pregnancy on the progression of ADPKD disease? Yeah, and that's that's a very common question that gets asked. Uh, there are some kidney diseases that pregnancy can actually worsen the kidney disease. 
And despite how long we've known about PKD and the fact that it is the most common genetic inherited kidney disease, we know fairly little, unfortunately, about the progression of kidney disease in women with PKD. Thankfully, what we do know is that women who have normal kidney function at the time of pregnancy tend not to lose any kidney function during the course of pregnancy. So that is reassuring. So if women have normal kidney function going into pregnancy, the course and the progression of PKD is unaltered. Because we don't routinely image people during pregnancy or just before or just after, especially using CT scans or MRIs, the impact of pregnancy and the immediate change in the hormonal milieu on cyst growth is unknown. What we do know is that there are some risks to the fetus, which Dr. Kamrawi just spoke about, but perhaps a small increase in kidney disease progression risk in women who have pre-existing hypertension and PKD at the time of pregnancy. So, and this is data that is nearly 30 years old now. So there is a dearth of, of uh, more recent data which combines imaging, which people did not routinely do back then to assess risk of kidney disease progression, to see if this progression is independent of the kidney size, which we know is a primary driver. So if a woman is pregnant, but she has very large kidneys, by the nature of her disease, she's likely to progress more than someone who is not, who does not have the same size of kidney as her. So, um, Long story short, kidney disease progression in PKD is understudied um, in women who have multiple pregnancies. And again, it's again difficult to tease out whether there could be a component of preeclampsia during those pregnancies, which could have also contributed versus this being PKD alone. And lastly, the other impact that uh, pregnancy could have on cystic disease is, is on the liver. Liver cysts uh, are... Uh, are estrogen sensitive, meaning that in uh, in situations where there is estrogen excess, such as hormone replacement therapy, or in the situation of uh, pregnancy, there might be some increase in cyst size. But given how transient the increase in estrogen is during pregnancy compared to decades of hormone replacement therapy, we're unsure if that truly increases the risk of liver cyst growth. And definitely, that should not be on someone's radar for counseling against pregnancy at all. Great. Excellent. So it sounds like more research is needed. We have a little bit of information, but not enough to sort of say whether that impact is due specifically to the pregnancy or if that would have occurred without the pregnancy itself anyway. Um, so an area ripe for research, sounds like. And then also with the liver cyst, again, not enough to say one should not become pregnant because of that impact. Excellent. I think we'll wrap it up for today. And I want to thank our experts, Dr. Gimrawi and Dr. Garamella, for joining us um, and sharing their expertise on pregnancy and, and ADPKD. And I want to thank you, our NEPHEW community, for joining us today and encourage you to check out uh, nephew.org for future webinars, podcasts, and events. Uh, you can also check us out on our social media platforms using the handle at NEPHEW community. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you very much for having us, Kelly. I appreciate your time. Thank you.